Matthew chapter number 25, as well as Genesis chapter 7. And uh, so uh, when you get to just hold your place in Genesis chapter 7, we'll get there here in just a moment. Uh, but first we're going to look in Matthew chapter 25. I want you to notice one verse in verse number 10. I'm not going to read the entire um, uh, story here or the parable here uh, for the sake of time. I'm going to read one verse that I want to call your attention to specifically, and that is verse number 10. The Bible says here in Matthew chapter 25, verse number 10, and while they went to buy, uh, this is talking about the, uh, the five foolish virgins, that's who the, they are right there, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom, bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Now, I want you to pay attention to that, those last four, uh, or those last five words there, and the door was shut. Now, to give us a little context of what's going on here, in Matthew chapter 25, in the first 13 verses of that, um, of that chapter, we're given a parable about ten virgins who are waiting for the arrival of the bridegroom to a wedding feast. And a wedding back in that day, it wasn't quite, didn't quite work like it does today. And, uh, so. Now, a lot of times, as Americans, when we read something like this, it can lose the significance because, or especially if we don't study the manners and customs of that day. Not today, but that day. And uh, you, we, we have to remember when we're studying the Bible that we're reading something that was written in a different time period. It's something that was written in a different culture. And uh, we need to remember that. Uh, we can lose a lot of meaning in Scripture if we only look at it and read it through our Western eyes. And I hope you understand what I'm trying to say there. And so I'm going to explain this to you. Wedding in that day had two parts to it. First, the bridegroom and his friends would go from his house to claim the bride from her parents. Then the bride and the groom would return to the groom's house for the marriage feast. The suggestion here is that the groom has already claimed his bride. Uh, what we're reading here in this parable, he's already claimed his bride uh, and now he is on his way back home. Nobody knows when he's going to get there. I hope you all can see the parallels in all of this between the church and Christ and the second coming. See, when you understand how marriage worked back in that day, everything God has for us is patterned. You want to know why marriage is so important to God? He patterned everything. He patterned everything after marriage. Jewish marriage. How did they, where did they get their, their traditions from marriage? They got it from God. And when you understand the way that marriage worked in Jewish culture, you can better understand the entire picture of the church and redemption and Jesus and the marriage supper of the Lamb and the second coming and all these things. And so, uh, so what we have here is he's already claimed his bride. 
and he's on his way back home. Nobody, this is interesting here, we've got ten virgins here, and, and nobody was allowed on the streets after dark without a lighted lamp. That's an interesting thing. Nobody was allowed on streets after dark without a lighted lamp. And we find that it is after dark and these ten virgins were required to have a lighted lamp in order to attend the wedding feast. You don't say. You got to have light if you're going to go to that wedding feast. Y'all see how Jesus spoke in these parables. People sitting here thinking he's just talking about people getting married. Oh, well, he is. He's talking about the church. And the bridegroom, which is none other than him. Amen. You got to have a lighted lamp in order to attend the wedding feast. And in this chapter, we have five of them. They're described as wise. Why were they described as wise? Well, because they bring oil in their vessels for their lamps. Okay? So they had the lamps. Okay? But the five wise virgins also bring oil in vessels for those lamps. The five foolish virgins, they only bring the oil that was in their lamps. I hope I'm being clear on that. The bridegroom is delayed. And all ten virgins fall asleep. And when the bridegroom finally arrives, the wise virgins, guess what? Are prepared... (coughs) (coughs) They're prepared with enough oil for their lamps because they took time to prepare and bring extra in the vessels. Okay? The foolish virgins run out of oil because all they brought with them was enough oil for the lamp. All right? Now, so what they do, they ask the wise virgins for more oil. They want to know if we can have some of your oil. To which the answer was given, no, you can't. You have to go get it for yourself. Are y'all seeing something? I'm going right here. They said, no, you're going to have to go buy it for yourself. I cannot give you mine. These wise virgins tell them that, but here's what happens. In the absence, these five, uh, these, in the absence of these five foolish virgins, while they're running around trying to find more oil for their lamps, the bridegroom arrives. The feast begins. And the last thing we read there in verse number 10 is the words, and the door was shut. Now, in Bible days, at all formal banquets, the invited guest would present their tablets or their cards to a servant stationed at the entrance. This servant that was stationed at the entrance of the house, his job was to keep out the uninvited. And here's the thing, whether you had the card or not, when the company were assembled, the master of the house shut the door, and thereafter this, in, this, uh, this uh, servant was instructed to not allow anybody to enter the house, no matter how insistent they were. Once the door was shut, the door was shut. And friends, I believe these lamps here symbolize the Word of God. Psalm 119, 105 tells us thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So I think it's perfectly acceptable to look at these lamps as being the word of God. But here's something going even further. I believe the vessels 
By the way, aren't we symbolized in Bible as vessels? We, ourselves, our bodies, our everything that we are, we are vessels. Well, I believe the vessels with the oil symbolize the Holy Spirit. That's not a stretch. Oil, th- oil throughout the Bible is a type of the Holy Spirit. And here's where I'm going. Five of these virgins had oil in their vessels. In other words, five had the Holy Spirit in their lives and five did not. Outwardly they are the same, but inwardly they are different. Some are genuinely saved, others are not. Here's the thing, y'all. We need both the Word of God and the Spirit of God to have salvation. We've got a lot of people that know the Word of God, but they don't have the Spirit of God in their vessel. Thus, they are not saved. You don't believe me on that? Well, let me give you this. Without the Spirit of God and the Word of God, there can be no true salvation. I believe this is how we explain passages like Luke chapter 13, verse 24 and 25, where the Bible tells us, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut to the door and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. It's the same thing that we see in Matthew's gospel, chapter number seven. Matthew chapter number seven, the Bible tells us that uh, let me find it here. I didn't put it in my notes, but in, in Matthew chapter 7, we find uh, that in verse number 21, not, uh, not, uh, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and thy name hath cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. What's the problem, preacher? We got a lot of people that are knowledgeable about the Word of God, but they do not know anything of the Holy Spirit of God in their lives. And without the Holy Spirit and the Word, you're not saved. Now, that's one shut door I wanted to point out to you. The other one is found in Genesis chapter number 7. If you will, go with me there. Genesis chapter number 7. The Bible says, I'm going to read one verse here, doing the same thing as I did in Matthew 25. In Genesis chapter 7, we read in verse number 16, it says, And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. So we see this again, and the Lord shut him in. Uh, The Bible in Genesis chapter 6 and 7 reads how God observes the wickedness of humanity and He decides to bring a flood to cleanse the earth. And God chooses Noah, a righteous man, to build an ark to save himself, his family, and pairs of every kind of animal. Now God instructs Noah to build the ark with specific dimensions and to gather animals and food for the journey. The Bible tells us that for 120 years, Noah preached and the door of grace was open, but a warning went out that God's Spirit would not always strive with man. And you know what? It didn't. 
Noah follows God's instructions diligently. And when the ark is completed, he, his family, and the animals enter the ark. And the Bible tells us that the Lord shut him in. In other words, God shut the door. When God closed the door to Noah's ark, no doubt the people prayed. No doubt the people cried. No doubt the people beat on the door. But you know what? It was too late. Once the door was shut, the door was shut. God is a God of love. God is a God of patience. And boy, I'm thankful for both of those things, aren't you? But I want to tell you this morning, His patience only goes so far. As I just mentioned, God tells us that His Spirit will not always strive with man. There came a time in Noah's day that God was done. He gave them all the chance that He, that he had that he, and He shut the door and that was it. There's coming a time on us today that God is going to eventually shut the door. Period. God's Word tells us not to boast, not to brag about tomorrow. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, boast thyself not, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. There's going to be a time that God shuts the door, and you and I have no idea when that's going to be. I know that there will be a time that comes when He will rapture His church out from, from this old world. He's going to take us on to heaven. And at that point in time, the tribulation period will start. And there will be trouble like the earth has never seen or heard of before. But, I don't know when that's going to happen. And neither do you. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. We don't know. The Bible tells us, hey, don't count on tomorrow. You don't have a clue what it's bringing. And so we read that uh, those who reject God's way shall suddenly be destroyed. Think about that, Proverbs 29. He that, that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Here's, here's my point this morning. When God speaks, you should obey because He may not speak to you again. He may shut the door. We never know when that door is going to get shut. There are several doors that we can read of in the Bible, and I'm talking about the end of all things. I'm talking about the rapture. I'm talking about the end uh, when that door of grace is finally shut on us. I'm telling you this morning, you ought to be prepared because when it happens, it's going to be so quick, you're not going to be able to prepare then. You're going to be like those five foolish virgins who were asleep and they got up. And by the way, there's a whole other message in those five wise virgins that were sleeping. I ain't going to go there this morning though. All ten of them slept. Only five. And they all got woke up all of a sudden. But only five of them were ready with the extra oil to keep their lights burning. Now, here's the thing. When Jesus comes back, when the rapture takes place, I want, number one, I want to be awake. And I don't mean just sitting around waiting. I'm talking about I want to be awake. I want to be awake to the things going on around me. I want to be lively. I want to be doing something for the Lord. That's what I'm talking about. I don't want to be caught up in some dry, dead, sleepy religion when He shows up. I've often thought about this. 
I've often thought about this. I just I want to be caught right in the act. I either want to be passing out a track to somebody. I want to be talking to somebody about him. I want to be in the pulpit preaching. I want to be out here passing out a track. I want to be feeding somebody. I want to be doing something in the service of the Lord when he calls me home. What better way to go? Right? I don't want to be asleep when he comes. That's what I'm talking about. But here's the thing. As I've already mentioned, his patience only goes so far. When the door is shut, the door is shut. So, considering these two passages this morning, I want to talk about three doors found in Scripture that will one day shut. And I want you to notice, number one this morning, the door of prayer will one day be shut. Man's only surety of God answering prayer is right now. You've got today, Isaiah 55, 6 tells us to seek ye the Lord uh, while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. While you feel the Holy Spirit calling you, it's time to pray. That's why I say at the end of every service, if God has spoken to you about something through the message, you ought to come speak to him. Yeah. You ought to nip it in the bud. If He's convicted your heart of something, don't drag it out. Say, I'm sorry, Lord. I repent of that. I'm going to do better with your help. We don't have time to waste. We don't have time to waste. While you feel the Spirit uh, calling you, it's now time to pray. Let's think about this in the context of the rich man's prayer in hell. He had There was three things about the prayer that he had in hell over in Luke chapter 16. The first thing we see about that prayer is it's a prayer of comfort. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. What did he do? He asked Lazarus, that Lazarus dip his finger in the water and cool his tongue. Can I just tell you and remind you this morning that hell is a real place and real people are in real torment there and they will be there forever and ever and ever. He prayed for comfort, but then he prayed because of concern. I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about that one day the the door of prayer will close and that will be it. He had a prayer of concern. You read on and it says, Then he said, I pray ye therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. You see, he wanted to send a missionary then to the earth to warn his brothers that they would not come to hell. But here's the thing though, he had no time on earth for God, but now he's praying and he's asking God to send someone to save his brothers. He didn't have time for God when he was on the earth. He didn't have time for God when the prayer, the door of prayer was opened. And here's the thing, now it's too late. His prayer is not going to be answered. Why? Because it's too late. He's in hell. He's eternally separated from God. And we see thirdly in there in verse 30 of Luke chapter 16, it's a prayer of compassion. You see, it's a prayer of comfort, prayer of concern, prayer of compassion. The Bible says, and he said, nay, father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. You see, he not only asked, but he pleaded that somebody warn his brothers of the awful place called hell. You know, people do pray in hell. 
But prayers in hell are not answered. Why? Because the door of prayer is shut. They are eternally separated from God. The only one who could help you can no longer hear you. Why? Because that is eternal punishment for sin. It's separation from God. It's in a real place called hell. It's in a place of torment. Here's the thing. Today, that door, if you're still alive and you're breathing right now, that door is still opened. So what I tell you to do is use it. Use it. I'm sure that rich man wishes every single day, that every single moment that he could go back to a time that that door was open and God would hear him. But now it's too late. Here's a second door that we find in Scripture I want to tell you about this morning. That is the door of peace. You know, when God speaks, man should obey and heed his call. I've already mentioned it, but Genesis chapter 6 verse 3 tells us that my spirit shall not always strive with man. Here's the thing. Many people have lost their souls to a devil's hell simply because they refuse to listen to God. They refuse to listen to God. I want you to know this morning that the Spirit calls to repentance. The Bible says in Luke 13, 3, I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. It tells us that. Sorry enough to quit all sin and follow the Lord. Unless a person repents, they cannot enter the kingdom of God, the Bible tells us. It's one thing to be sorry. Come on, I, I know everybody in here knows it's one thing to be sorry because you got caught for something. It's another thing to be sorry in repentance. If you're truly sorry, here's the thing. Here's the fact of the matter. When you're truly sorry for something, you'll repent of it. You're not going to keep doing the things that nailed our Savior to the tree. I'm not saying any of us are perfect. That's why we have that term backslid. You ought not stay there though. When I do something, sometimes I can say something. I might think something. I may have an action. I may say something to somebody and immediately the Holy Spirit's got me. You know what you do in that moment? You'll say, well, it's just how it is. Oh, I'm just unperfect. No, that's not how we do We say, God, I am sorry. I did not want to do that. Forgive me of that. And move on. See, there's a repentance to being saved. There's a repentance after salvation too. Every day of our life, we should be striving to be more like Christ. That's why we are called Christians. We're called Christians because we act different. We talk different. We look different than the world around us. And we ought to take those things seriously. The Bible is clear. It says, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. That is the great fear that I see in our world today. We hear a gospel being preached that has nothing to do with repentance. I went back through, I used artificial intelligence, which is a really fun thing, really scary thing. Really scary, especially if you ever watch Terminator. Because that's where we're at. Uh, 
I fully believe that. If the Lord don't come back, some weird things are going to happen. But I took a particular preacher's sermons for over six months. He's not far from here. I, 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 it's Stephen Furtick. I talk about him all the time. Say, so, well, preacher, why you got to run at your mouth? Because I hate what he's doing to people. I hate what the devil is doing to people through these false false prophets, these false preachers, these unrepentant, degenerate men that are men and women that are leading people astray. And here's my point. It took six months of his message. He preaches one time a week every Sunday. Multiple avenues, multiple campuses. It took six months of those preachers. There was only a handful mentions of sin and no mention of repentance whatsoever in six months of preaching. You would think that a preacher who is preaching the Word of God would mention repentance at some point. I mean, you can't even read Scripture without it. Well, preacher, why does that scare you so much? Because people are being led to think that they can be... They're not even led to think that they have to be sorry now. Much less repent. God is just a, a notch in your belt of life that's going to help you get through life like some good luck charm. That's what people are believing. But the Bible says, except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. What was the message of Jesus? It was repent. What was the message of John the Baptist? Repent. What was the message of Paul? Repent. What was the message throughout the Bible? It is repent. God's coming back. And if you don't repent, you'll perish. Amen. We've got a lot of people that's sorry they got caught. We got a lot of people that get caught and they think it's no big deal. I'm talking about anything. You got people in our day, they'll commit murder. Get called for it. It ain't their problem. I just went through a documentary about this doctor in America. He's serving life in prison now. He operated on 40 people. Killed two of them. Botched the other 38 because he was so arrogant that he could not admit that he didn't know what he was doing. They convicted that man, put him in prison for life. And even when he was on trial, he never admitted of doing anything wrong. It was always some other problem. It was their bodies. It was this doctor. It was this assistant. It was this. That is our problem today. People don't even see that anything that they do is wrong. They just want to, they just, there's no call to being sorry. There's no call to repentance because they don't see that they need to repent of anything that they do. And my friend, like the old preacher used to say, if you never get lost, you'll never get found. A man out here can have GPS, he can have all the maps in the world, and he can be going in the wrong direction, but until he realizes he is going in the wrong direction and he needs some help, he'll never get the help he needs. Because in his mind, he still knows where he's going. Men, we ought to be able to relate to that one a little bit. 
Amen? Come on now, I know I ain't the only one. We ought to be able to relate to that. I've been in places before I had no idea where I was at. My wife's like, honey, are you? Oh, yeah, I got this. I know where I'm at. I know good and well in my own mind. I ain't never been there before, and I'm not really sure where I'm going. But yeah, honey, I got this. I know what I'm doing. I know that's a funny way to illustrate, but is that not true? That, though, is our world today. It's full of men and women, and sadly, they can even come in churches and not be told the truth. The Spirit, though, calls to repentance. The Spirit also calls to rest. We're talking about the door of peace. There is a door of peace that is open today. People are looking for peace. And the only peace they're going to find is in the Word of God. The Spirit calls to repentance. The Spirit calls to rest. The Bible tells us in Matthew 11, Come unto Me, all ye that are labor, that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you, and learn of Me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For My yoke is easy, and My burden is light. You see, only God offers rest for the body, the soul, and the mind. We see rest in Matthew 11, but in Isaiah chapter 26, we're told that thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. We talked a little bit about meditating on the Word of God uh, last Sunday. You want to know how to keep your mind at perfect peace? How do you stay your mind on Christ? You meditate on His Word. Do you realize tonight that, that God... Give the same name to His Word as He did His only begotten Son. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You want to... Hmm. Think about it, y'all. I love it. Brother Jeremy on Thursday night. He brought this out in the message. He said, he said y'all ever want to hug Jesus? Hug your Bible. You ever want to kiss Jesus? Kiss that Bible. Y'all don't look at me like that. <laughs> the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, this Word that you hold in your laps this morning is God. Is Jesus. You want to, I'm telling you, and the only way we're going to have true and honest fellowship with Jesus is to spend time with Him. Amen. You want to know how to stay your mind on Christ? Keep your mind close to Christ. Read His Word. Philippians 4, 7. Here's another one. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we see here that in the Bible we are given the formula to have perfect peace. Mind, soul, and body. That's the only way you're going to have perfect rest is in the Word of God. The Spirit also calls not just to rest, but it also calls to receiving. In John 1.12 it says, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. 
See, Jesus came to His own people, but they did not receive Him. But those who have received Him have been made the sons of God. Right now, the door of peace is open. But I'm here to tell you, tomorrow it may be closed. We need to act now before the door is closed. Here's the third door that we find in Scripture. That's the door of pardon. The door of pardon. We have the door of prayer. We have the door of peace. And then thirdly this morning, we have the door of pardon. The door of pardon is open to all people. Yet so many reject it. And so many wait till it's too late. So many wait till it's too late and they're lost. Paul told us in 2 Corinthians 6 2, Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today's your day. Why? Because you're not promised another breath. You're not promised tomorrow. The Bible's clear on that. It says our lives are nothing but vapors. Here one moment, then it's gone the next. And hey, today is your day. Don't be like the five foolish, foolish virgins. You see, they were late and lost. They did not prepare for the future. And they were lost. And you need to be prepared at all times. Those foolish virgins knocked on the door and said, Lord, Lord, open to us. But what did He do? He answered them, I know you not. You see, those five foolish virgins have the language of a believer, but they didn't have the life of a believer. The life of a believer is one of preparedness. A believer is one who has prepared for the bridegroom. They failed to prepare and they were late and lost. Don't be like many people who are preoccupied and lost. Not only are people late and lost, but then we find that some people are preoccupied and lost. Matthew chapter 24 tells us this in verse 37 and on, But as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two shall be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the meal, one Taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. See, these people were living any way that they pleased, but they were lost. They were preoccupied and lost. Going back to Noah chapter, uh, or going back to Noah in Genesis chapter six, seven, and eight, those who rejected were lost. Only eight were saved out of the entire human existence. You know what the rest of them were? They were either late and lost. Or they were preoccupied and lost. And then thirdly, don't be like Lot's wife. Don't be immoral and lost. Don't be immoral and lost. Genesis 19.26 tells us, but his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. She was on her way to safety. She was on her way out of there. God had given her a way of escape. But she loved Sodom and Gomorrah. That was her home. That was everything she knew. She loved it. She may have been leaving with her husband, but the problem was her heart was still there. She disobeyed the angel of the Lord by looking back, and when she did, she died for it. She thought she could do what she wanted and still be saved. But she wasn't. And there's a whole message 
This is difficult to preach because I can preach 30 minute messages out of all of this. But I feel this is where God wanted me at this morning. The door, door of pardon, the door of pardon is still open. But I'm here to tell you, friend, one of these days it's going to close. She thought that life was grand in Sodom and Gomorrah, but you know what? That came to an end. Why did it come to an end? Because God, uh, God's judgment. One of these days, we've got people all over this world that are immoral and lost. They're, lo they're late and lost. They're preoccupied and lost. But one thing I can tell you with 100% assurance today is there is coming a day that God is going to judge this world. There's coming a day. He didn't let Sodom and Gomorrah get by with it. He didn't let the empires of the world uh, get by with it. He's not going to let us get by with it. And so there's coming a day when that door of pardon is going to be closed. There's coming a day when that door of prayer is going to be closed. There's coming a day when that door of peace is going to be closed. And let me tell you something. There are two things which bring these doors to a close. Here's what they are. Number one is death. It's too late to open these doors after you're dead. After you slip out into eternity, everything's sealed. Everything's done. The doors are shut. They will not be open. And the only thing that's going to matter in your life is what you did with Jesus Christ. Amen. Here's the second thing, though. Number one is death. Number two is Christ's coming. He's coming. He's going to rapture his church away. And I'm going to tell you something this morning. When he comes, you're either going to rise or you're going to be left behind. Amen. And if you're left behind after hearing these things that I have preached this morning, those doors are going to be closed. You'll never have an opportunity to open them again. It's a serious thing. It's a serious thing. Right now, these doors are open and we need to think about these things. We need to think about what happened to those five foolish virgins in Matthew 25. We need to think about what happened to the entire world in Genesis chapter 7. Once God closes the door, it's closed. And the door was shut. Let's stand and bow our heads, close our eyes. Miss Stone, come play for us softly. The doors are open today. I often say it like this. When I close the service, this altar is open. What am I talking about? <laughs> There's a door of prayer that's wide open down here. All you've got to do is come walk through it. I'll tell you this. You don't even have to come to this altar. There's something good about coming to the altar. I love praying on the altar, but let me just tell you, I'm just being honest, you don't have to come to the altar. That door of prayer is open. It's open to you today. It's open to me. It's open to all of us. But one day, it's going to be closed. Today, you still have an opportunity to go through the door of peace. Peace is one thing we're all looking for. People search up and down in our world for spiritual peace. They, they're searching for peace for their bodies, their minds, and their souls. There's many doors that the devil has that promises peace. But the only way you're going to have true peace is if you go through Christ. He's the only one that has ever promised to give us complete peace of body, mind, and soul. We have that in His Word today.
Do you have that peace? Have you ever went through that door of peace? If you haven't, I'm going to say as Paul did, today's your day. Because you may not make it till tomorrow. Y'all not gamble with the Lord. Y'all not gamble with your soul. That door of pardon. That door of pardon is open. We're still here. The Lord has not come back. We're alive. We're well. We're breathing. You have an opportunity. But one day that door's going to shut. And when it does, it's all going to be over. You need to do business with the Lord this morning. If the Lord spoke to you, you ought to come speak to Him. You ought to respond to His Word. You ought to respond to His Spirit calling you. The Lord's dealing with you right now. If He's speaking to you right now, it could be the last time. He tells us His Spirit shall not always strive with man. How is it with you? You Get on this altar if you need some help. If you're not saved, today's your day. If you're not right with God, hey, you better come. Better get things right. Get busy. My Savior comes back, I want to be busy doing something for Him. What about you?